Welcome to Top Advisor Marketing, where you will learn how to become a prolific online influencer, attract more ideal clients, and grow your practice. Brought to you by Top Advisor Podcasting, a done-for-you podcasting solution built just for trusted advisors. And now, your co-hosts of Top Advisor Marketing, Kirk Lowe and Matt Halloran. Welcome to another episode of Top Advisor Marketing. I'm your infrequent host, Kirk Lowe, <laughs> uh, joined by my very frequent partner, Matthew Halloran. And today we are going to talk about, we're going to have some fun, of course, but we're going to talk about social media etiquette. And both of us have been reviewing this really uh, wonderful and well done article by Hootsuite. And Hootsuite, if you don't know, is a social media aggregation tool. So um, you can use social media to make managing and sending and engaging in social media networks or multiple platforms much easier. Having said that, um, so they are experts, no doubt, in social media. And they wrote an article, and I will name the article here for you if you want to go read it. We'll actually put it in the show notes as well. The name of the article is 14 essential social media etiquette rules for brands. But today we're gonna break down these 14 rules and some of them we don't 100% agree with. And we're gonna try to give you some uh, reasons why we don't agree with them and then how that applies to you. And today I'll be interviewing Matthew or Matt, if, uh, if you want a short name. And so Matt's going to go on these and I'm going to interview him. I hope you like that. So Matt, let's, let's kind of get started here. I, I'm going to tee this up and then I want you to run with it. But I think that the mindset when social media came out, and you would know about this because you wrote a book on it. I'll get you to, to talk about that as well. But I think that when social media started grabbing attention in financial services, there was this idea that it was the holy grail, like the new holy grail. It was the next, you know, seminar marketing for this industry. And I don't think I've seen so many crash and burns with a strategy. It's been incredible. Like there's a lot of issues and we're going to help sort through some of those today, but I'll let you run with that. Well, it, can be the holy grail. And, you know, when, when I wrote the social media handbook for financial advisors, one of the biggest things that we wanted to include in the book with, with Bloomberg Finance was this idea that there is different etiquette, there's different rules across different platforms, and why it's so fun that Hootsuite wrote this article. And something they don't include in this article is that the etiquette on Twitter is very different than the etiquette on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, right? Or TikTok or whatever else you're using out there. And you truly need to understand what room you're in. And that's the first point that they bring up here, which is to read the room. If you're on LinkedIn, LinkedIn is not the place to talk about politics. It is not the place to talk about your personal life. It is one place that you go to learn from other business owners. That is the culture that is there. Now, if you want to be a little bit more personal and engaging, then you can go to Facebook. Yes. But I'm going to throw this at you. Sure. I've seen some incredibly viral posts on LinkedIn. Here's an example. Recently, we, uh, we talked about it internally as a team. There's a post about uh, a professional woman 
who took down her professional photo, mm-hmm. put up one with her, like kind of at well, working from home. And this is what I look like every day. because I'm not going to the office. And, and she talked about trying to be, wanting to be authentic on her social media. And the, the post went viral, like on LinkedIn, which is not quite as common. Right. Very true. But I believe it had 14,000 likes, if I remember. But but here's the thing about that that post specifically, is it still was in the right room in the right context. She was talking about how to portray her personal brand in an environment that likes to know about people's personal brands. Now, that's not saying that she shouldn't have put that on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, especially Instagram, right? Because that would have been a great Instagram post. But you do need to understand that you can have and in some situations, uh, but it has to be or in other situations. You know, if she would have put some, something about, you know, eating her favorite food at her favorite restaurant that she ports, supports wholeheartedly, you don't want to put that on LinkedIn. In fact, you'll get blasted on LinkedIn for doing that. But you're not going to get blasted on Facebook or Instagram or even Twitter, even though Twitter, that's not appropriate either because Twitter's consumption, the people who use Twitter want hard and fast information about something very, very specific. So that's what I think about reading the room. You all have to understand where your ideal clients are, right? Some of them are on LinkedIn. Some of them are on Facebook. Some of them are on Twitter. Some of them are on Instagram and heck, some of them are on TikTok and you need to understand where your ideal client is and if you don't know how to figure that out, we've actually got a couple of really great free white papers on the page or on our on our website that talk about uh, how to figure out and how to really tease out who your ideal client is. Yeah. So I think the rule there is that if you have something with a personal spin on it, but it relates back to business and being authentic or true, or there's a, a personal lesson that you can come back and bring to a business lesson those are more than those are acceptable LinkedIn posts, just not personal, personal. (laughs) That's correct. Right. Yeah. And so there are people on LinkedIn who publish their kids accomplishments or their own accomplishments outside of work. And I would say in most cases, those end up being what I would call borderline LinkedIn posts sometimes. And it really depends on the spin or what you're promoting. Right. Right how big of an accomplishment but some personal accomplishments are relevant to business because somebody overcame something big right yes so i i, I guess those kind of those meet the acceptable and, and sometimes um, become can become very viral anyhow so that's the first tip here so we'll uh, get on to number two here all right i'm gonna actually merge two and three together if you don't mind so the second one is ditch the bot and the third one is respond to humans fast because what a lot of times will happen is there's automatic direct messaging tools that you can use uh, on LinkedIn and Twitter specifically, I'm sorry, and actually Facebook Messenger. So the problem with the bots is they're not personal messages. Now, using a bot to do what Hootsuite does, which is to put your post across many channels, is a brilliant time-saving tool but you don't want people to think that you're using a time-saving tool when they're trying to communicate with you. If you are on, I'm going to use Facebook here as, the, as a great example, and you have a business page, if somebody clicks and messages you 
personally, like, hey, I'd like to find out a little bit more about your products and services, do not use the auto reply tool because it really pisses people off because it's just freaking lazy. I don't mind if you don't get back to me within an hour or so during normal working hours on Facebook, but it really bothers me when you're just botting me to death and just saying, you know, I'll get back to you as soon as I possibly can. It's part of the culture, and people already realize that. Those bots are very, very insensitive and really don't add the human value that you need to. Now, in financial services, Kirk, the bots are going to be more powerful or more more pa- palatable is what I was looking for because of compliance. And many of you cannot use LinkedIn Messenger as a communication tool unless you're an RIA. And by the way, you can do that. It's actually totally legal. But please, please make sure that you're trying to do whatever you can. And this even leads into email. So I'm going to I'm gonna touch on email real quick. If you are one of those people who only checks emails three times a day, which is wonderful, by the way, and that's what you should do from a time management standpoint. But if I email you at 9.05 and, and you say, hey, I check emails at 9 o'clock noon and 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and that's an automated message, man, just turn that crap off. I, I hate it when somebody says, I'm too important to respond to you right now, so I'm going to send you an email telling you how important I am. Just wait to respond to me. Does that make sense, Kirk? I don't think it's always I'm too important. It's I've, I've set up my, my schedule, and this is how it works. I, I think anybody who knows you would know that and know that they can expect you to get back to them at a certain time. But I agree that those don't always come off very well. And I don't think, I think they're unnecessary to do. Yeah. The other day, actually might've been yesterday or the day before my, uh, one of our uh, team members, Jessica and I were, I was inquiring with her about new AI in LinkedIn because I stopped seeing that thumbs up uh, auto response and when you're when you're using messages and I thought oh they must have gotten rid of this and I said well that's pretty interesting I wonder there must be something showing that that thumbs up is stopping conversations and engagement on LinkedIn and they've gotten rid of it so I asked Jessica to ask me a question to start a conversation so that we could see when this comes up and it doesn't come up anymore until it looks like a conversation is come, coming to an mm. end but that used to be way more, a much more prevalent yeah. uh, auto response or suggested response in LinkedIn. And now they're, they've, uh, they, their, their AI is telling them not to use it as frequently or only in certain situations. So that was pretty, pretty fun to see that evolving or to, to notice it, uh, which also might be, you know, you may be thinking to yourself, well, Kirk, that means you must have been using that thumbs up. So <laughs> no, bad, bad shame on you, right? So I only used it at ends of conversations to confirm that I had read something from somebody, but I totally get how overused these things can be. Anyway, we had some fun going back and forth and only having a conversation using uh, suggested responses Mm -hmm. for a couple of minutes. It was really funny. And we actually screenshotted it. We may actually share something like that in the future on uh, social media. So uh, hopefully you guys are paying attention to, uh, both Matt and I's social media uh, channels, particularly LinkedIn and or our top advisor marketing uh, company as well. Anyway, on to number four here. Go ahead. So this is be nice to your peers no matter what. This is a very interesting philosophy on Hootsuite's perspective. And I believe 
just from doing this for so long, that killing somebody with kindness is way, way, way better, uh, especially in LinkedIn and in Facebook specifically. But some of you might be saying, well, oh my gosh, there are some Twitter uh, handles like Wendy's, McDonald's, you know, where they're like kind of attacking each other in a fun way, and they're really not being very, very nice. But that's business to business, and I want to make sure that we're we're very clear about that. Business to business is different than a than you personally to somebody else personally. Finding that happy medium of being able to get your point across to somebody on social media without attacking them and without coming across as being aggressive is a skill and is something that you can go online and there are tone checkers on uh, if actually that's what you do. They're generally email tone checkers where you can put cut and paste your message into these email tone checkers and it will tell you how does it sound? Does it sound aggressive? Does it sound friendly? Does it sound happy? Does it sound sad? They're pretty basic, but it's important for you to make sure that you're checking your tone because the first law of communication is message sent is not necessarily message received. You don't know where your uh, audience is mentally. So you need to be very, very clear about that from the beginning. So be nice. What do you have to add, Kirk? Well, you just combine number four and 10. Oh so yeah. One, but which is fine. I know, I knew it was going to happen. Yeah. And it's really hard not to <laughs> have it stretch into something else, but yeah, I a hundred percent agree that you got to find that balance and you, you want to be nice and professional all the time. You want to make sure that something can't be, misinterpreted. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's one thing that I've gotten trouble for a couple times. And that is, and it usually doesn't go out on social media because I, it's something that if I, if I, if I'm worried about being on the edge, I send it to our team to proofread Mm -hmm. and look for tone. And that is, if you're trying to be funny, sometimes if you're trying to be funny, or, or sarcasm, or sarcastic is a really different. I wouldn't try sarcasm right now. I've seen lots of people uh, being trying to be sarcastic, and then they get absolutely shelled online. And it's like, wait a second, I didn't mean that. And it's like it's almost too late, right? Because people don't read every comment, right? So you got to be really careful being sarcastic and really careful about making jokes because the tone in those is typically up for interpretation and you don't want to leave any room for interpretation if you can unless you're trying to be witty and smart to get people thinking so the, the, those are a couple of things so uh number five uh, we've had some good conversation about too mm-hmm. which is going easy on hashtags but we're going to take it a little further because there's one thing that hoots we didn't talk about and that was tagging people but i'll let you speak to both those We believe that you should have three hashtags, one which is a personally branded hashtag, and then the other two, one of them will be about the content specifically, and the other one will be about the category, personal brand, content, and category. Please keep those three in mind. Those are things that you're never going to go wrong with three hashtags. Remember, hashtags are a, a way for people to search for specific topics or specific brands in all social media channels. That's all a hashtag is. So those of you who are hashtagging, uh, it's not my fault because of my mother, and it's you know 900 words long, nobody's going to search for that. You just look like a dork. Keep them short and sweet. There are some great Google tools. If you Google the most appropriate hashtags or the most active hashtags within social media, within your specific niche, uh, they'll show you those directly. But personal brand, and then the second one is content, and then the third one is category. But 
I don't see people going bazonkos on hashtags now as much as I see people going bazonkos on tagging people. And Kirk, I'm actually going to, I'm going to partner this with number eight, just to give you a heads up, which is give credit. For podcasting, when we interview somebody, so I interview... Carl Richards? Yes. So I I interview Carl, right? And so uh, I'm going to tag him, so at Carl Richards, so that it shows up in his timeline. But I don't want to tag every single solitary person in my network because basically what you're doing is you're, you're being a schmuck, right? You're trying to gain access to other people's stuff by giving credit or stealing credit from them that's not applicable, nor is it appropriate for social media. If you're going to tag somebody, you the maximum number of tags is two people. Two people. Don't ever tag more than two, because then you look desperate, and you look like you're trying to get out there and get your social media message out to a newer audience that might not be applicable. And then, here's the, the nail in the coffin, Kirk. If somebody tags you, and you don't respond to that tag, you look like a schmuck, right? So uh, I go through LinkedIn every single solitary day, and I look at who's tagged me and stuff. And if it's tagged appropriately, I immediately respond. Oh, my God, thank you. This just actually just happened with one of our podcasts. Thank you so much for sharing our podcast. It was so fun interviewing you. You know, you were a great guest. Here's a couple of things that we learned. But I've also been tagged in, like, 15 other people tagging, and it's really, really annoying. Now, that's LinkedIn. I'm going to digress real quick because Facebook's different. Because Facebook, if you want all of your friends and family to specifically see a picture or an event, you can do that personally, but never, never, never do that professionally. So I'm going to give an outlier to what you just said. An atypical story that can work, and I've seen it a couple of times. That's where a peer, like a peer, peer tagging and peer tagging when you're trying to help them. A peer tagging with a, a singular post is probably the best, but one of our most viral posts ever was a pick. Uh, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here. A pick a fight, and we included a bunch of other people that we felt are the opposite of what what we're profiling in the pick a fight. So we're picking a fight with uh, other marketers, peers who, who say and do act a certain way. And we're putting, we're tagged 10 or 15 people who we know who don't operate like that to get them involved in the conversation. And that ended up being very successful. Having said that, that's not something you can do very often. And it has to be very specific and well thought out. And in this case, it went really well. But honestly, we've never done a post like that. But there are I see more and more people trying to leverage tagging because it, it, it can generate a lot of activity. But when you over tag, it just, if you do it once in a while and you have a really good reason to do it, it makes sense. But if you're looking for reasons to over tag, I think that's a real, a real problem. Especially if you, because it's a burden, it becomes a burden for the people you're tagging all the time, right? Yes. Now all of a sudden it's like, okay, wait a second. It feels like, uh, and there's nothing wrong with people who are helping you for them to ask for you to help them. But tagging puts public pressure for you to kind of spend your time marketing them. And there could be other ways to help them. I don't know if that makes any sense. It does make sense. Okay. So 
Yeah, so be really and, and hashtags. You mentioned three. Could you repeat those? Because I think there was a really good, and I have one that you might be able to add. But your three were really good. And I bet advisor. Yeah, so so it's so it's personal branded hashtag, right? Yep. So at top advisor. The second one is about the content itself, and then the third one is about the category of what you want people to search for. Yeah. So there's a fourth one I think can come in sometimes, which is a your audience. So if you've got, if you want to name your audience, but sometimes that can go with the category. So in other words, we could say financial marketing, right? So it's marketing for financial services. That could be one tag you could combine two, right? Mm-hmm. Audience and category. So just think about that. There, that might be a fourth one. Does that makes sense? Yes. But it probably works best when you combine it with the category, I think. Yes. Anyway, you'll know based on what you're doing, if that makes sense. Okay, so we've got, we've had one, two, three, four, uh, five. We've talked about 10 a little bit and eight, but now we're going to, we'll still do those. We're going to go on to number six. (laughs) Right. Six is don't mix business and pleasure. I have seen this. This is where a lot of people. Blowing up right now, my friend. What? Blowing up. Business and pleasure. It's really business and politics. Well, yes. Business and politics is blowing up LinkedIn. And it's, um, I mean, other places it's gone, you know, and it's a sign of the times, right? It's, there's a lot of um, issues to debate. Uh, There's a lot of sides, uh, apparently, that we need to all pick and then, but crazy times, but this one's a, I'll let you go on it. Sorry. I just need to interrupt with how big this is right now. Oh my God. Well, and so, so yeah, so, so the, the four things that you're not supposed to talk about are politics, religion, sex, or money. And, you know, that's one of the big issues in a business perspective is polite conversation needs to be maintained. And in financial services, we're already talking about money. So we're already breaking the rule, but you have to watch out for those other ones. You said that the other day. I don't remember where, when you said that. I, I don't, I think when, when we're talking about not talking about money, it's talking specifically about somebody else's like asking them how much money they make or yes. how much they saved. But I know that it used to be don't talk about in, in the greater context of money, but I think these days it's just don't ask somebody about their personal money story yes. or talk about that. But anyway. Yeah. And you're absolutely, yeah, that's a very, very good point of clarification. Actually, this was part of the training that we did with the whole team this week when I was talking about context and making sure that our social media team, the writers that we've hired, are paying attention to those four categories because they're not polite conversation. They don't come across as being professional conversation. And you're right. You know, when you say, you know, hey, I just bought this brand new car because I'm I'm rolling in the money. I mean, that's just it's not necessarily impolite conversation, but it's like, ugh, right? I mean, we just we just don't want that. So make sure that you are once again, know your audience, know what platform you're on. And when you do that, then you can make these decisions a lot faster. On Instagram is a great example. There's the bragging posts or what they refer to as flex posts. And, you know, that there is a time and a place for that, but it sure as heck isn't on LinkedIn. And I would say that it really isn't appropriate on Facebook either. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, I'll tell you a quick story here. You may want to delete this, edit this out, but... I don't ever get into politics or religion on my anything that's related to my business profile. And I called somebody out. I thought on a, trying to be a, a, in a nice way and try to help them 
see that there's only you only need to be nice online and if you if you don't have anything good to say don't say it at all that's really a a great rule for social media either but for business purposes i called somebody out and they subsequently disconnected from me which is the the problem that you have right so i called them out for being mean inappropriate i thought online which ended up being me doing the same thing so you got to be really careful about these things the difference is I don't have any problem with not agreeing with somebody some, from some time to time, but they clearly had a problem with me. You know, not, they didn't feel the same about that. So you got to remember that, right? Sometimes how you feel about something isn't how somebody else is going to feel yep. about you. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's I'm not saying disregard everything that's going on in the world, but make sure that you can communicate it in a way that's not going to offend people. Yeah. This is going to be a long podcast, dude. all right uh so i this next one is you know i think is mismanaged from an etiquette perspective across the board and in fact when you and i first started hanging out and and then of course became business partners we had not necessarily heated but we had some pretty interesting discussions about number seven here which is follow with a purpose don't just follow anybody who can fog a mirror. And Kirk, you've really converted me to this. It is a numbers game, but it is an, it's a proper target market numbers game. It's not just an economy of scale. So don't follow but people or connect with people unless you intend to have a conversation with them. So that's really important. The other piece of this that's very important that can be a great, great way to round out your brand is following causes or organizations that do reflect your values as a business owner on LinkedIn or on Facebook. So, for instance, at the bottom of your page, when you scroll down to your profile page on, on LinkedIn, it will say, you know, organizations that you follow. And, you know, I've got things like the FPA, you know, Navy veterans, a couple of other things that are there, like the schools that I went to. But that helps round out my brand. If you want to find out a little bit more about who the person is, scroll down to the bottom on LinkedIn and you'll see what they're who they're following and also people who they look up to. Like I think I've got Richard Branson and a couple other people. Now, the same thing happens on Facebook. Because if you click on the about part of Facebook, it will show a lot more information. You know, your movies, your political leanings, all of those sorts of things, if you haven't gone in and actually turned those off. So pay attention to where you are and follow accordingly and make sure that whoever you're following and connecting with are going to benefit you and that you do intend on having a real conversation. I want to add one thing about following with people. I know there's a shocker that I want to add something to your point, but. When you follow people who are outside of your niche, or you're just following for the sake of following to build your list, what happens is the algorithms, it messes the algorithms up. So uh, for people who, where you show up for, who might want to connect with you and also suggested uh, people for you to connect with will be all off, right? So you're, what you're doing is you're sending the wrong message to the algorithms because you're not, you're not focused with who you connect with. Sure. Make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And so it, it, that can really throw off the algorithms and then it means the algorithms aren't working for you. And, and trust me, you want the algorithms to work for you. Yeah, because they're amazing algorithms. You can, you can manipulate the algorithms and that's a big part of digital marketing sometimes is to understand them so you can get the most out of them. 
And sometimes it's not perfect across the board, but you'll get more benefit than, than less. So be careful with that. So we're on to number eight, which we already talked about a little bit, but I'm sure you can give us more. Well, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna remind everybody, you know, make sure that if you are uh, using somebody else's content, that you say that you're using content. We just did that at the beginning of this podcast. Hey, we're talking about a Hootsuite article. We're gonna make sure that that Hootsuite article is, you know, we have the link there, which is the 14 essential social media etiquette rules for brands. It was written by Todd Clark, March 28th of 2019. We're gonna put that in the show notes to make sure that you. Uh, can see what we got our information from. I This is why canned content drives me insane on social media, because you're trying to take some content that's written by somebody else, and you're trying to make people think that you wrote it, and you know that they know you didn't freaking write it. And it's also generally the wrong focus uh, in financial services. So many of you are posting things about the markets, and then you get super pissed when your clients walk in and only want to talk about the performance against the S&P. And you're like, well, why? I'm a financial planner. And the reason why is because all of your content's talking about the freaking S&P, right? So right. this art, this episode is a perfect example, absolutely perfect of why you should never curate other people's content without engaging in the content and totally. breaking it because we don't agree with everything in yeah. this article. Oh man, brother. Or we can add stuff to it. So we're curating content, but we're adding value to it with our own authentic ideas. So all of a sudden this is a mixture and we don't often pick another article and do this, but it was a really good article. Sometimes we like to make our list and go look, you know, other stuff going on, but this is a great article. And you know what? I just want to talk. We, you know, we agree. We just want to talk about this and then add. Yeah. Which I think is um, hopefully you guys are getting a lot out of it. So, well, number 10 is sorry. Number nine on our list is don't overshare. Yeah, and, and this is this is where one keep it simple and and you know keep it short. Uh, those are those are two things that are uh, very very appropriate when you're writing business focused social media posts. But at the same time, if you think and I use my grandmother because you know she was just such a pivotal person in my life. If you don't think your grandmother would want to read what you're posting on social media, or Fast forward your life 20 years and think about what you're posting. And if you're, you know, your 20 year old or self would look back at this and be embarrassed, that is a great gauge to make sure that you're not sharing inappropriate things or things that are just oversharing on social media. This is hilarious because I'm thinking, what is he talking about? And then I realized, oh, you bet you're thinking overshare, you're taking it in overshare, like as in too much info on your personal life or your family or whatever. But I was taken as don't overshares and don't the frequency of how often you share. And that's even better. So that's yes, grandma. Yeah, my, yeah. I don't think my grandma was uh, really too interested. But but okay. So and that's the next thing. Each social media platform, Kirk, has a different sort of culture on the frequency of sharing. Right, LinkedIn, maximum three times a day. Honestly, that's the maximum. Facebook, you can post every 15 minutes. And Twitter, you can post very, very frequently. But those people who are posting on LinkedIn every five to 10 minutes, one, you look desperate again. Two, you look like you have nothing better to do and you don't have a job. But when you're posting professionally, when it comes to frequency, which is what you're talking about, and I'm talking about content, frequency, um, do not post more times a day than you are on that social media platform. There's your gauge. I want to say that again. Do not post 
your content more times than you are on that social media platform during the day. So for instance, I check LinkedIn three times a day. That's it's part of my discipline that I do. So I don't ever want to post more than three times a day. Now, but I'm on Facebook 18 times a day. So, but I don't post that much on Facebook. But that's that is your gauge. That is what you want to do. And when you start seeing people going through your timeline and they're just posting, 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 you should do what you do on email, which is unsubscribe. So there's, you know, there's some personal preferences there and mm-hmm. then there's um, etiquette, etiquette, yes. kind of a combination. Uh, I th- and your first definition of don't overshare is kind of what Facebook seems to be all about. <laughs> so uh, personal Facebook anyway, but LinkedIn definitely, you know, don't overshare on the personal stuff. I mean, Sometimes that if it's really inspiring for work or something like that, like there's a message in there that can be, that can be really good, but particular details of your, of your certain parts of your life, just save that for Facebook Yeah. or if, if that's what you feel like you need to share with your audience or your world, share that with your more so with your inner circle than your, your business circle, but definitely the consistency or, or the frequency of which you, which you share uh, you need to pay a lot of attention to that. Yep. And, you know, there, there are influencers whose audiences expect them to share a lot and they may share 10, 15 times a day. Right. So it, I would say it also depends on your audience. Like if you've got a massive audience who's just eating up everything you're doing, they may want more. That may be a good thing. But my guess is most financial advisors or most experts, their clients aren't looking for content this frequently. So keep that in mind too. So I think, you know, one to three times a day mm-hmm. for most people is going to be all they want to see. I don't mind three as much a day because not everybody in your network is going to see everything you post because they've got. I guess a fairly robust, I'm guessing, connection or a group of connections or followers. So they're not going to see everything you post. So that gives more of a chance that more of your people are going to see. Just don't overdo it. Amen, brother. But I, uh, but you know, once a week, you, you got to do more than that. Yes. Right. Yeah. So I think once a day is a is a decent parameter to follow. So anyway, so number ten is go easy on tone. We've already talked about this a little bit. I don't really have anything else to add to that, dude. Let's let's go to number 11. Sure. Apply the golden rule. Right. And and I love this, and I really wish more people... Right? What's that? This kind of speaks to tone as well. Well, it does, but it also... I think it's... In fact, I would have probably used this instead of tone, but I love the idea of applying the golden rule because... What do you want to interact with on social? Just stop and think about that. What is your favorite kind of social media post? Is it, is it a link to something outside to read with the commentary? Is it a quote meme? Uh, is it a video? Is it a long form blog post? Think about that. And that's really what you want to share because that's what you want to consume. And then flip it on its head and, and take the golden rule in the opposite direction and say, what do my ideal clients want from me? The problem with a lot of things on social is it's very I-focused, not you-focused. 
And we just did a webinar yesterday, Jessica and I did, talking about one of the biggest mistakes people have is they're talking about themselves on social media, especially LinkedIn, instead of having it be what's in it for me, client focused. And that's yep. what I think is the most powerful thing about the golden rule. That topic came up because I've been sending posts on a fairly frequent basis over the last couple of months about all these LinkedIn connections I have sending me these messages and then watching financial advisors that I'm follow, you know, following, watching their feeds. And I'm blown away with how many people still don't get what's going on with social media, like how to communicate to people and how frequently somebody shows up and what's the word that you guys, you guys had a great little phrase the other day. Jessica sent this to me. I don't know you, but we're connected on LinkedIn. So I'm wondering if you're interested in this offer. (laughs) Basically, right? Like people who don't know me, but we're connected. So I'm going to offer, you know, are you interested in this offer? She sent it as like a funny little template of how so many of these interactions go. And just imagine, do you want, do you want that? Right. And now I'm getting into number 12, which... I apologize. What a great segue, Kirk. We're late. Don't sell. Right. That was a beautiful segue, dude. You're starting to get really good at this interview thing. That is the thing. I will unfollow you faster than anything in the world. If If I connect with you and within an hour, you send me a message trying to get me to schedule time with you or or trying to sell me something. Uh, Social media, and Kirk and I firmly believe this, this is part of our foundation, is it takes time and it takes momentum right? You have to build momentum. It's like dating. When you date somebody for a while, you get to know them and then you can ask them for things, right? Or even friendships, right? You don't ask for a friend who just met 15 minutes ago if you can borrow their truck to move. You don't do that. Well, some of you might, but you shouldn't. It's the same sort of thing on social media. You want to make sure that you're building a relationship with them by providing them valuable content And then later down the road, this is that top of the funnel, middle funnel, bottom of the funnel stuff that we've talked about a couple of times on the podcast, but that's what you want to make sure. Where are you at within the relationship with somebody? You know, I just got a new neighbor. Here's a perfect example. She's super cool. Her name is B. I love her. She's nice, but I'm not going to ask to borrow anything from her and not even like a cup of sugar because we aren't at that relationship yet. So we're at the top of the funnel. Now, hopefully we'll get to the middle of the funnel where, you know, if she wants to come over and go swimming or if she wants to uh, borrow our lawnmower or if we have some gas, that's middle of the funnel. But then, you know, the bottom of the funnel in relationships would be, you know, do I have the code or do I have a key to her house, right? Well, a lot of us in our neighborhood do that. Are those good Your examples? It was way different than mine, but I uh, what, love it. What's that? Great. That was funny, the key to the house, sorry. Oh, yeah. Well, according according to Michael Moore, you guys don't. Because all the neighborhood kids, a couple doors up and down, they know the code to my garage. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But but the, the biggest problem is, is, is so many of you were raised with Zig Ziglar sales techniques, and that does not work anymore. It's about building a relationship over time. And if you use our Influencer Accelerator program, it actually builds that relationship much, much faster, but without being pushy and without being sleazy. So, okay, the, nec- the next one, 13, I think I've actually already really answered because I talked about that with rounding out the brand, which is follow because you want to. I really want, I'm going to, I'm going to pitch this last one here to you. Well, this is actually the second to the last one. So I want you to talk about this one. So we're going to flip the, flip the the coin here, Kirk. So this one is be interested, 
not interesting. What what do you think about this? And then I'll add quick two cents. I think this goes to what you were talking about a couple minutes ago, but a different slant, which is if you're if you're if you're on social media and it's all about you. I mean, we know it's all about you, but you have to be interested in people versus trying to be interesting yourself. If you're trying to be interesting all the time, when you engage somebody, it's all about you all of a sudden. But and this, I think I can get better at this right? because I'm trying to be helpful. But by being helpful, maybe I'm trying too hard to be interesting, if that makes sense. But um, be interested is, is about finding out what's important to them, where they're at. But you, there's, there's got to be an art to that, too, because if you're too outspoken there or forward, it's going to look like you're prompting them so you can get information, so you can use that information against them to make a sale, right? So you got to be really careful. But I'm curious how you interpret this. Well, I, I'm going to go back to my grandma here. It's like grandma day for Matt. Grandmother said, you know, Matt, you have two ears and one mouth, so you listen twice as much as you speak. And that's exactly what I think this post is talking about, or this this number 14 on this list, is you, you need to listen. You need to comment. In fact, in some groups on Facebook and on LinkedIn, you have to comment on posts a specific amount of time before you're allowed to post. Because again, that's the difference of focus. One is focused on others. One is focused on you. Now, you can make very, very powerful social media posts that are other focused. And when you can get that as your formula, everything changes. In fact, we just did so. So we do a webinar every single solitary month. It's called our Influencer Academy webinar. And Jessica and I spent an, almost an hour going through the perfect social media posts formula. If you guys would like to have a copy of that, you guys can just you know fill out the contact form on the website, or you can email me because I've got it specifically, Matt at Top Advisor M. Because some of these etiquette issues that we've talked about in today's podcast, we solve and give you actual social media posts to make sure that you're following the appropriate etiquette and also being very, very engaging on social. We had one more po what what was our 15th that we were going to add cuz we've added a lot to this article dude. Yeah, number 15 is uh, setting reasonable expectations. Oh, yeah. And it's not really etiquette, but we just had to throw it in because we see this is a major problem. And it kind of speaks to the the intro which where we talked about that social media people see this as the holy grail. Mm -hmm. And when it first came out and they realized, oh my gosh, there's a lot of work, there's a lot of patience. Yeah. That comes to this part, yeah. setting reasonable expectations. And you said it can be the Holy Grail. I did. And I, I'm not, sh I agree it can be the Holy Grail. The problem is, is I think the, the expectations around the Holy Grail or what, how advisors would define the Holy Grail is quick results. And that mm -hmm. is the biggest and worst thing you can try to assume about a marketing initiative that f fast is the only measure of effective because it is so bad for your business long-term. Hey, Kirk, so has anybody found the Holy Grail yet? No. Okay. So I'm going to use that as the foundation of how I'm going to answer oh, this. Wait a second. 
Indiana Jones. Yeah. Okay, dude. Was it easy? Oh, that was a movie. Right. That's right. What was was it easy in the Last Crusade for, for Indiana Jones to get to the the Holy Grail? No. It was a two hour long, death defying, amazing movie, right? And that's really when you look at the Holy Grail, the Holy Grail is not going to be easy. The Holy Grail is going to take work. It's going to take consistency. It's going to take faith. It's going to take hope. It's going to take belief. All of those things. And if you don't have all of those things, this isn't going to be the Holy Grail for you. You have to make sure that you're paying very close attention to your intention and your understanding of how these things work. That's why I firmly believe this is the Holy Grail. And Kirk, we're living proof of this being the Holy Grail to grow your business. We've been patient. We've been consistent. We've been even more patient, you know, and we use social media to generate 99% of our leads. 99%, everybody. Maybe it's 90 well, it depends on how you define like the, the causation, right? The cause and effect of, of us doing social media. Here's the thing is that there are a number of things that you need to do that all contribute to the outcome that people think is social media. So in other words, social media is part of what you need to do. You need authentic content. You need to uh, cut that content up into little pieces. So you got more to share. You need to share consistently and, and a pain, paying attention to all the rules and etiquette, you know, that we're talking about here today. And then you need to make sure you gain exposure. If, if your audience isn't large enough, you got to boost your exposure. So you might have to pay to get your exposure out there quicker to expedite it or accelerate it, if you will. And you need to pay attention to all those things. Social media doesn't work without authentic content. Authentic content doesn't work without sharing. And sharing and authentic content don't work really well because it takes a lot of you know, effort time or it can take effort time to make authentic content. So when you cut it up, you end up leveraging that time a lot because you get all these little snippets you can share. So when you put all that together, that's that should cause have a lot of effect or impact on results and outcomes speed up you know shorten the sales cycle we don't need to get into that today but there's a ton of benefits to doing that the right way so when matt says 99 percent of our stuff social media had an impact it's not like everybody we've ever talked to comes through and said oh i just found you on social media i need a podcast let's do this thing right it's not always that simple it's I know I've been following you on social media. I've been listening to your podcast and so-and-so I work with so-and-so I know so-and-so and they're using you guys or they heard about you or this company I'm working with. It's a whole bunch of things coming together. It's like creating a perfect storm across your business over a long period of time. And the storm just keeps getting more perfect all the time because of all the effort. And that is what you're trying to do, right? That's why this etiquette is so important, but you've got to remember it's just a piece of the puzzle. So number 16 is probably Matt, Matt's favorite, one of his favorite things to do on social media. And try not to confuse this with some other etiquette. You'll need to clarify that, Matt, because we've said, be nice to your peers. Mm -hmm. But number 16 is what? Is pick a fight. So, and I believe that this is one of the most powerful business differentiators out there. 
those financial services professionals who pick a fight with other aspects of financial services are going to gain a lot stronger of an audience, and they will always be known as the person who is against, which therefore means for, something else. There are some people out there who rail against fee-only. There are some people who are out there who rail against AUM. There are some people who rail against life insurance and annuities and disability insurance and uh, guaranteed income, cash value, life insurance. In our industry, you should have something that you firmly believe is the appropriate way and take the stand. Now, outside of that, if you are outside of financial services, and I'm going to use a, a local company here, um, we're working with a water company uh, who does filtration systems and water heaters and water purifiers and stuff like that. And they're going to pick a fight in their marketing plan that we're helping them create uh, with a very major bottled water company, which I'm not going to name. And because of that, in our area, because they're local to me here in Kalamazoo, Michigan, that is that company not that... The, not the pick-a-fight company, but the, the one who's picking a fight. That's right. The company. one who's picking a fight company. <laughs> that other company that they're picking a fight with is always in the news and not always for the right reasons. So that's something that you have to look at. Like, for instance, when Wells Fargo had their Wells Fargo issues, the pick-a-fight there should have been, hey, if you're working with a Wells Fargo advisor... During these times, you might want to have a change. Now, that's a pick a fight, still a very powerful statement without targeting anything specifically at Wells Fargo, if yeah. you understand what I mean. When there's major lawsuits, which, by the way, happen all the time in broker dealers, right? This is a great opportunity for you to, and it, and it isn't necessarily being sleazy. It's showing how you're fundamentally unique and different by utilizing somebody else's news. So, this is really our our parting point here, and I'm going to ratchet up Go ahead. Um, conversation here. I think that advisors and financial services, they've been picking fights for years. This is not new, right? Think about the, probably the biggest pick a fight right now is, is either fiduciary versus non-fiduciary. Um, we've got annuity versus don't use annuity. We've got retirement 401k, or Roth, like you've got, you know, all you've got these, their pick a fight exists. And what's, what's another really good one? Oh, fee-based versus commission-based, right? So there are pick a fights exist, have existed, but how do you pick a fight and how do you, uh, and does, you know, what does your audience care about? And so when you know that you got to find a really good way to pick a fight and then push it up through your social media, be consistent, but you got to be able to back it up. If you can't back it up, then that's going to be a problem. So if there's marketing people who pick a fight with us and say social media doesn't work, we're going to, we're going to blow you out of the water. we got a lot of stats. we got a lot of stories, right? It's going to be very difficult to pick a fight in that case. Our pick a fight, by the way, one of ours, is one of ours is your your favorite i'll let you speak to it in a second but one of our other pick fights is marketing companies who promise a, a pipeline of leads and or who say we we 10x your your investment and they're speaking to to the most successful and there's no minimum guarantee there i just don't think that should be the focus of, of what they do for people. And we 
don't focus on that. So we had a successful pick a fight post that went viral on that. Matt, I know your pick a fight's a little bit different. Yours is with how media companies, I'll let you talk to it. Well, there's two. Uh, so one is is local media, right? There is no, no local media anymore. So using podcasting and social media and you being that hub of information in your specific vertical is is actually, I think, your professional responsibility now because there isn't main street information that's getting out anything anymore. It's all Wall Street. It's all big, big companies. So when you start your own podcast and you go through our podcast coaching program with our nine podcasting tactics, you are going to be known as the person to get information from in your vertical. Right now, that does not exist. And if you are truly a professional, it is your professional responsibility to educate your community on your opinions and your expertise. So there's number one. But the second one is my favorite, actually, Kirk, which is we want to free the world's expert from sales, right? You guys are experts. The people who are listening to this podcast are experts. Yeah, you might be good at sales, but what you would be the best use of your time is if you could stay in your lane and educate people about your expertise, what makes you unique and different, and why what you do is so important to people, which, by the way, in our financial services world, what you all do is very vitally important to every single solitary person in North America and the world. If you didn't have to sell anymore, could you imagine what your life would be like? If you had a machine running for you in the background that allowed you to gain momentum in your influence over time where people would come in pre-sold, ready to work with you because they know who you are, what makes you unique and different, and why their specific situation can be solved by you, the entire game changes. And we can make a difference in financial services from everybody having to fill their pipeline with 10 times because the reason why they have to do that is because it's that rule of 10s. 10,000 phone calls, 100 appointments, 10 sales, right? Or whatever, 10 appointments, 10 sales, whatever, I don't remember what it was. But it is not the law of large numbers like that anymore. It is the law of large numbers where you're going to build relationships, relationships and momentum over time so that when people come to you, they're already sold. And we are actually about to come out with some great case studies talking about our clients who are using our Influence Accelerator, our micro-influencer program, and how much new business that they brought in, but it's not about the number as much as it's about they're the ideal client who is exactly who you want to work with. And oh, by the way, they also have a lot of money. So we talked about a lot today. We talked about 16 social media rules, etiquette rules. We've expanded upon that. We've challenged some of the things that are presented as, you know, uh, etiquette rules for everybody. And we believe, you know, we had some uh, different opinions on that, uh, Matt and I did. So hopefully you guys got a lot out of it. We will post the link to the article. Remember that we don't agree with everything in the article, although it is a, it's a very well done article. And, you know, if you haven't already done so, please subscribe to our podcast. Uh, another thing that's really important to us, if you wouldn't mind, is write a review, if you can, uh, whether it's on our podcast channel or on iTunes or whatever you're using. Uh, we really appreciate it. And we, we hope it's a favorable uh, review. Having said that, you know, we like feedback too. And we're always trying to get better. Thank you so much for listening. You don't know how much we appreciate you for listening. And I don't know how often we 
take the time to say this, but we had 11,000 downloads or listens last month, which was uh, August. <laughs> Isn't that funny how long that took me to remember? Oh, where am I at the end? And this, the momentum that we create from you guys caring about what we're doing uh, inspires us to go be even better at, at what we do in our job uh, and what we and the guests um, that we deliver and the things that we talk about. Um, it helps us build momentum so we can do better work for you in the future. Man, we really appreciate it. We love it when you tell other people. I know it's happened a lot. We have people who really love what we're doing. They reach out and say that. Um, if you've got stuff going on in your world that we haven't talked about and need help with, um, send it to us, even if it's not our expertise, right? I had somebody reach out the other day and said, I can't believe how often you guys have guests on that to, in certain ways, compete with you. They said, it's unbelievable how generous you guys are with how you do that. And thank you for saying that. That is a mindset. Uh, and that actually came from a guy who recently called another advisor and was a offered to do a guest blog post on a topic that this other advisor had a category with nothing in it, no articles in it. Isn't that interesting? Like so resourceful, um, this advisor of ours, uh, Jeremy's his name. And Jeremy, I thought that was just wonderful. And I loved that when we talked about it, you pointed back that, hey, you guys have competitors all the time. Like, and, and, and how much, you know, the fact that he admired that we were doing that and thought, why can't I do the same? So, you know, live in abundance with your, uh, how you educate. Don't forget how much we appreciate you guys listening, please. And subscribe, tell other people about us, and we will see you real soon. As, Mike, as Matt likes to say, we'll see you on the other side of the mic. Bye for now. Are you ready to change the way you communicate with your clients? Are you tired of being the best kept secret in your area? Learn how to become a prolific online influencer, attract more ideal clients, and grow your business. Contact us today and see what the power of podcasting can do for your business. Click on the Contact Us link on our website at topadvisormarketing.com and set up a call to learn more. Follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook for more updates and information. This was brought to you by iris.xyz, a platform helping financial professionals become better in business and life through new media and new voices. Visit them and learn more at iris.xyz.